When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let me introduce you to our latest sponsor, the Andre Law Firm. Andre Law can represent you or your business in a variety of civil and commercial matters. Do you have a client that has proven difficult to collect from? Andre Law also specializes in collection law and can expedite your collection on judgments from your defaulting clients. The principal of Andre Law Firm is Tony Andre, a North Miami native with years of experience representing businesses and individuals throughout the state of Florida. Based in Aventura, you can give him a call at 786 708-0813 708-0813 or visit his website at andrelaw.com. Again, give Andre Law a call at 786-708-0813 to set up your consultation. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. We're on and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. Simon Clancy is not here because Liverpool won the EPL and he's probably gallivanting about in London or doing something else. But Chris Coughlin or he's got the, or he's got Corona again. Oh God, you think so? You think that's possible? <laughs> Doesn't leave. No. <laughs> but we do have Five Reasons Sports Network Chief Ethan Skolnick, also Chief. host of the. Chief. Five on the floor podcast. You don't like the term chief, Ethan? I don't know. It depends how it's used. I mean, I get I get it sometimes on Twitter. It's like, yeah, nice tweet, chief. Um, you know, it's <laughs> it kind of depends on the context. I'll take it. It's 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 not the worst thing I've been called. Uh-huh. Would you prefer Would you prefer Commodore? Uh, yeah. Maybe. Honcho. <laughs> what about What about Five Reasons Sports Network? Honcho. Puba. Uh, okay. Puba. Pooba. Ah, Pooba. I don't know. Ah, yeah, no, I just I do a lot of things for the network. And some days I'm not really sure what I'm doing. I have I have a new hamster in my apartment because uh, my daughter wanted one and it just spins on a wheel all day. And it's me, basically. Hmm. It's just me for five reasons sports. It's just spinning on a wheel all day, but I've been in the same place. So I think that's been all of us since March. Pretty yeah. much. Pretty much. Pretty much. Well, it's much. July and usually <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, it is. It's just it is crazy July. I'm, I'm looking at that. right here at the corner of my screen, and it says seven one twenty twenty. That means July first, right? My God. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, unless you're in Central I'm, America, because then that would be January seventh in Central. America. I'm gonna say that it's April ninety second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's July, which usually means that we're just sitting around in the deadest of the sports year, waiting for nothing to happen. 
mm-hmm. for about a month until there's NFL training camp. But for whatever reason, the NBA decided to put a pause on their season and they're starting up again. I don't know what that's about. But they're starting up this month. Optimistic that it happens, Ethan, first of all. Well, yeah, because um, the money has spoken. And, you know, we're, we're entering a period. I mean, we joke about it, that all this time disappeared. I mean, you know, the last day... I feel like I was alive was at American Airlines Arena uh, waiting for the season to end when, you know, Rudy Gobert, you know, tested positive and the news started to spread around the arena and ushers were basically saying and to the me, Heat hey, played see- probably their worst game of the season too. Well, that's the crazy thing. They didn't know about what was going on, but we did. So we kind of knew the game was meaningless, like by the third mm-hmm. quarter, but the Heat played like it was meaningless because they, they dropped like a 25 point lead at home to Charlotte. Yeah. They were totally dispirited, and then, you know, we were there, and the ushers were starting, you know, I turned, you know, I know all the ushers at the arena by now, and looked at them, and they're like, we'll see you next year, and uh, and then Eric Spolster came out and met with us, and he's like, I'm not going to take any questions about the game, and there were two comments about what happened that night with the virus, and, and we knew that was it for a while. Now, at that point, did I think we'd actually have basketball again? No, um, I did not. But what's happened here over the past four months is that the money has spoken, and it has spoken in different ways in different leagues. And I think an interesting conversation we could have tonight is the way that the NFL has approached it as opposed to the way the NBA has approached it, because the NBA, I think rightly so, has a reputation for being much more protective of its players than the NFL is, and I think in in every conceivable way. And yet, even with that, although I believe that the NBA has the best plan, and we don't know the whole NFL plan yet, you know, I believe, and even Eric Spolscher was on a conference call I was on today and talked about how much thought had gone into the NBA plan. I think they're taking every possible precaution you can, but it's sort of like Adam Silver, the commissioner, said, you can't outrun the virus. Um, they just happen to run into a bubble in the heart of one of the worst states in the country right now, but they're going to be in a bubble. And, I, you know, so do, do I think it'll happen, Alfredo? Yes, because, you know, if it doesn't happen, as you and I both know, the revenue uh, hit that that league is going to take when everything is based on the playoffs and TV is enormous and it affects everything because it's a cap league and it's a 50, 50 split between the players and the owners. And if they don't play, like the players can talk about all this other stuff that they're concerned about. And all of it is legitimate COVID being away from their families, wanting to devote more attention to social justice, the risk of injury because you're coming back in a weird situation and you may pull a hamstring or worse they can talk about all of that, but they also don't want to see a 30% chunk of the salary cap go away. Yeah. And that's what's, that's what's going to happen if they don't finish this season. And so I think that ultimately everybody came to their senses and said, I mean, we can say their senses or not, but they came to their senses economically and said, we have to play. Yeah. I think it's conceivable if, if that I just got a question though. Yeah, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. let you get in here for a second, Chris, but let me let me just say this right away. I think it's conceivable this could lead to a strike and the abolishment of the salary cap, and that could be a good thing in the NBA. Do you agree be, with but, that or no? Well, it could be, but I, I think the bigger concern was that if they don't finish the season and they don't clear up the revenue shortfall, that basically the, the owners could throw out the CBA, and the players don't want that. And, and I think the, the only place where the NFL is, is better positioned right now than the NBA is the NFL has labor peace. Yeah. Now, it's, for, it's forced labor peace because the players using is a joke. But and, um, and, they got and t- Maurice Smith is just not good at it. Right. No, he, he's not Michelle Roberts. And so, 
And the players don't have power. They don't know how to exercise their power in the NFL the way that they do in the NBA. And they don't have guaranteed contracts, and they never will um, for a variety of reasons. But I think when you, when you look at the situation totality, I mean, you know, the one place that the NFL is in a stronger position than the NBA is, uh, is that they have labor peace for the next 10 years. And so that, that gives you a little more flexibility. The NBA, that could, that, although they've, the two sides have worked together really well to make this thing happen, it blows up if the owners say we're tossing out the CBA. And, and then, you know, you, there was the chance that not only would you not have basketball this season, but you wouldn't have it next season either. Hmm. And as, even as strong as that league is, that league could not have recovered from that. So let's assume they do have it. Let's assume they do go ahead. I mean, what's, what's the carrot on this? Like, are they going to have, like, blowout highest ratings they've ever had? I mean, because I kind I, of imagine they would. I think so. I think I mean, so. That, I think the, the only thing, Chris, that I think is, is questionable here is, you know, they're playing at a totally different time than they ever played. Right? Yeah. I mean, I mean they're, they're starting this thing in August. Uh, August is typically, I mean, it's July 30th, but August. August is typically the one month with no basketball activity, right? Mm -hmm. You have the finals go into June. July is, you know, the NBA owns the first two weeks of July with, you know, it took that over from baseball. It owns the first two weeks because of free agency, right? Draft into free agency. Then football typically takes over, you know, third week of July into training camp. Uh, but August is the dead period for the NBA. So this is, it's, it's training people to be interested in this at a different time. But most people are home, okay? Um, they're going to be looking to stay in the air conditioning in certain places like where we live. And there's going to be NBA games all day, um, just like there are for Summer League, except these count. <laughs> yeah. and, and, they're with, and they're with LeBron. They're not, <laughs> they're not yeah. with, uh, you know, a second-round pick or an undrafted free agent. And so I, I do think there's a chance for it to be really big. I think baseball could have taken some of that audience if they started when they should have started and there was a little momentum built, but that didn't happen. Obviously, the NBA is going to dwarf the NHL. And then it just comes down to football. And then I'm sure some news we're going to talk about, which is, you know, the mm-hmm. NFL, you know, scrapping the two preseason games, the first and the fourth, it looks like. So all these sports are going to be colliding at exactly the same time. And then maybe college football camps opening. We don't know. And so I'm not, I'm not sure, but I will say, Chris, the one thing that was dramatic, the ratings for the last dance for the Jordan documentary were outrageous. They were outrageous. Yes. Yep. Yes. And, and well, and I mean, this is like a documentary. I mean, this is going to be like nothing you've ever seen. You basically have NBA players in the real world. I mean, it's, and, and it's, it's going to be fascinating, and you're going to hear everything. And the NBA is, is you know, again, there are things the NFL is better at, but the NBA in terms of engaging its fans does it as well or better than anybody, especially on social media. And they're introducing all kinds of new cameras, new streams. You're going to hear everything. It's going to be a totally different experience. So I do think the ratings, especially if you can get LeBron into the finals, Giannis into the finals, it's going to be pretty big. Well, when, okay, so uh, clear, clear this up with me because this is a football basketball podcast so you know i don't i don't pay a lot of attention here and um to the exact schedule and and i think a lot of our fans don't when when would the so they're they're gonna start in 
July 30th and the NBA is right. Mm, uh, yes. When, when are the playoffs start? Are they, are they just operating playoffs right away or are they? No. Um, so like what, so, what's so, happening there? So the teams are starting to report, for instance, the heat report July 8th. So that was a week from yeah. today. Um, they, then they will basically, you know, have all a three week training camp. Uh, you see the heat, the heat start August 1st, but some teams start uh, June, July 30th. They will play eight regular season games apiece, which, you know, most teams had between, I don't know, 15 and 18 games left. Yeah. So they're each going to play eight. Uh, the schedule over, got over a little... the course of how much time? About uh, much two, time weeks. two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. So about two, two weeks. weeks of regular season, and then yes. they start in the playoffs. Then they'll, so then they're they'll go have one through playoffs. One through, one through eight in each conference? Yeah. That, playoffs are going to yeah. be just as they've been, Chris. They're going to be one through so, eight. So okay, so the the playoffs will start. Let's let's call this, um, you know, August. I don't know what what do you want to say, twelfth or something like that. Um, so they're they're gonna have logis- They're gonna have about two three weeks of playoff basketball going before the NFL is really even starting. So how my question is is given the likelihood of ratings bonanza with mm-hmm. the uh, the NBA when they first come back, and, and especially as they go through playoffs, given the NFL has cut the preseason in half, essentially, and, um, and, and so there, there's even less, less football to compete with, with basketball, and given the speed – of the COVID virus or the speed of the virus essentially and, and how fast things develop. What are the, what are the chances that you think that the NFL could look at what's happening in the NBA, look at the ratings bonanza and say, you know what? We don't need the stand the fans in the stand. I think they might say that. I think that they may decide. And I think that's one of the reasons why they've been a little um, slower with their plan then the NBA, I mean, part of it is the NBA was in the middle of a season and they would need to start again sooner because they got to get to the next season, which is probably going to be mid-December. But part of it, I think, is they're waiting to see how things play out with baseball and with uh, basketball in particular. Mm. I mean, hockey, hockey is a different situation because they're going to be up in Canada in a country that's handling this better. And, you know, I, I think the NHL is going to be fine. But in, in the NBA, you know, I mean, there's a lot of questions, a lot of and, and not just those questions, but also the stuff that, that the NFL struggles with more than the NBA, which is the social justice stuff. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, we have to see where we are with that, because, I mean, the NBA is basically turned it over to the players. I mean, Black Lives Matter is going to be on the court. <laughs> OK, there's the reports that basically the players are going to be able to change their last names on their jerseys to a slogan if they want. I mean, the NFL is not doing any of that. <laughs> so, yeah, but, no. but, 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 but I think that, I think that the NFL may look at what happens with the NBA and have it govern some of its decisions. Um, you know, although I think politically the leagues are very different from each other, mm. but I do think that they're waiting. I do think that, you know, we don't really see the NBA and the NFL compete directly in a lot of ways because the only times that they really compete, because Everybody always says this, and I think it's true. The NBA season really doesn't start till Christmas. Mm. Um, you know, the first two months of the season, everybody's immersed in football. You know, by the time you get to Christmas, you know, most half the teams in the NFL are eliminated, and a few more, it doesn't look like they have much of a chance. You know, so at least you've gotten to that point. 
you know, but the only time that I've ever felt that the leagues really competed was I always dealt with this because I covered both the Dolphins and the Heat, which was NFL draft was always the first weekend of the NBA playoffs <laughs> or, the, or the second weekend. And that's when you would see them collide. And, of course, because the draft is so big, the draft would win. Um, but in this case, you know, the NBA is getting a head start. And they're getting a head start. And like I said, I think it's like April, I think it's like August 18th or so that the playoffs would start. And, you know, you're playing four out of seven series. Like we talked about, the NFL is going to compress the preseason. But by the time they start, the NBA is going to be into its second round, you know, getting closer to the conference finals. And, and so I do think that there's going to be more direct competition there. But I also think the NFL may want to distinguish itself by allowing fans in. But mm. let's be straight, guys. Like, you know, it's different for, for – I mean, except for the fact that you're, you're outdoors, which obviously I know for the spread of the virus is not considered as dangerous maybe as being at American Airlines Arena. But you also got three to four times as many people mm-hmm. that would populate that. And I know there's been discussion about 25% capacity and all the rest of that. I don't know how they do that. So no, I you, also, you also open up the, you open it up for the possibility of stupidity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah, all the people are, even if you do the capacity issue, the, the people are going are gonna to pack together in the closest seats or they're going to move around and, yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, and how so, do you police that? Like how yeah, how do you and how do you yeah how do you collectively police all all that all those people and try and keep them all spaced out? Especially I mean, you'd with have alcohol to, guys, like I, I mean, are yeah. they going to serve, serve alcohol through the third quarter because you'd, you'd have to tarp the seats essentially. You'd have to tarp right. tarp two seats and then allow one, you know, and have one that's untarped or something, and then hope that they don't just start untarping and and you know whatever. Um, it, it it'd be a mess. I mean, the one thing that I'm looking at is right now. The Arizona governor governor just just sent down some directive, I think, about um, about gatherings, and mm-hmm. it's like uh, for the next thirty days, right. and you know, legitimately so because Arizona is is you know going through hell right now, um, and training camp is supposed to open in like twenty nine days. They, I, right. I thought I read, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. it's like. Uh, wait a minute <laughs> wait a minute this actually is now already like orders are coming in today that are impeding on uh, the nfl's schedule and and that's not going to stop that's not going to stop i mean if you look at the way that the virus uh, or the cases at least are exploding and as well as hospitalizations exploding in most states we don't have the hospitalization data the same hospitalization data in florida as they do in other states but the way that it's it's going in places like texas and arizona um uh, not so much california yet but um you know it's it's not going to stop and so other states are going to kind of follow it's almost like we've got just enough time for some of those other states to start hitting their stride because once you have the three biggest states in the country, which would be Texas, Florida, and California, no particular order, um, going parabolic with the cases, there's no hope for the rest of the country to avoid doing the same thing. It's like being dragged down right. by half of the Titanic once it broke. You know, it's it's like, it, I'm sorry, it's it's going to happen. Even and New Gavin York, Newsom, which is- And Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, just floated, I think it was today, the idea of shutting down again for three weeks oh he i didn't float it i think he ordered it didn't he, he ordered it for 75 yeah. percent of the state 
Yeah. And, and, and that, and, and the thing was when we, when we had these conversations about on our podcast five on the floor about six weeks ago, and this question was actually asked of Adam Silver was the, 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 when it was clear that there's no federal leadership, and I know we don't want to have a, a political discussion tonight, but there's, there's no federal leadership on this. So it came down to the states. And at the time, like six weeks ago, you had Cuomo in New York and Newsom in California and some others basically saying no sports. And then Cuomo came off of it a little bit. And mm -hmm. then Newsom eventually came off of it. But like you said, because we didn't solve the problem and now the problem is going to be worse than it even was before, you are going to have this pushback where you're going to have certain states that just say no. And, and I think that is, I, you know, I, I hate to say it because I live in Florida, as do the two of you. We live in three different locations. I mean, I, I think part of the reason part of the reason that the NBA went to and went to to Orlando, of course, was Disney, and you know Disney is a rights holder with the NBA, and so well, let's also that not forget sense. that Florida was doing well, right? No, it was it was doing well, but I also know <laughs> I also no, it was doing well. Well, I know, and I know he, I know DeSantis, you know, you know, threw his hands up and you know, come come at me, and now now look what happened. But I also think part of it beyond the Disney part, Chris, is that. They also knew that DeSantis was going to be one of the last governors in the country to shut everything down. That, yeah, that's so, fair. And, and so I, I think that, you know, if you were going to go into, you know, if, let's say, because look, they don't have the same complex at Disneyland in California, but you mm. could have found a complex in California to do what the NBA is doing in Florida. You could have, you could have partnered with Disney in some way out there or one they have plenty of partners in, in LA. I mean, basically the NBA is basically based in LA now. Okay. They could have done it there, but there might've been a concern that Newsom would actually shut down the state. We knew DeSantis wasn't going to do that. And so yeah. they, they came to a bubble within a bubble. I mean, we, Florida is a bubble within a bubble in terms of common sense. And so the NBA has basically decided to put it here and, you know, what everybody says, be damned, we're going to force this through. Now, you, you, we all know, again, that Roger Goodell's concern for his players does not match his concern for his owners. Um, and so I, I, I think the leagues are very different in that way. And I, so I, I cannot really foresee a circumstance where Roger Goodell shuts down the NFL season. I just don't think it's going to happen. Might he say that it's not worth putting fans in the stands and let's just make the money off TV for one year? I think that's possible. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably more likely. And as far as Gavin Newsom, uh, he originally was mandating a bunch of things. Then he got a bunch of pushback from uh, a few places in his state, which are a bit more conservative, name, namely in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And he allowed his municipalities to make their own decisions. In Ron DeSantis's case... He's taking Republicanism to a new level and deciding that all the municipalities have full autonomy mm -hmm. and some of them are forcing their own agenda upon him. So in here in Dade County, as of right now, if there was training camp tomorrow, I know it's not in Dade County, it's in Broward County and Davie, but if mm -hmm. the Dolphins were to train tomorrow in Dade County, they couldn't. Because here in Dade County, the commission already has shut down gatherings of over 50 people. So yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be local. It's definitely, I mean, we've got, we'd probably have the same, we would probably have the same concern here in um, Hillsborough County in Tampa with the Buccaneers um, because, you know, the Hillsborough County, I think, um, especially city, city of Tampa, I think is, is a little bit more willing to do these things even than uh, than hillsborough county um 
but yeah, it's uh, it's it's got to be a big concern because they've they've shown themselves willing to enact those sorts of orders, and I just I just think that you know the. NFL may have the position that we want to do this hell or high water, but I mean, they're, they're, they're going to have those decisions made for them by locations. Um, they they, and they so, might. The, the other thing to consider too, we talk about Dade and I know you say, you know, the, the dolphins train in well, at least for one more year, they train in Davie as opposed to training in Miami gardens. But the, the, the other thing to consider is every time that Dade has made a decision, Broward has followed it. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, again, I mean, there really is no distinction between the counties. I mean, even, even the stadium is literally on the county line. Um, and so I think, you know, what you see is, yeah, you know, and, and what's, at, what's actually been interesting is that a lot of the, the, the politicians making the decisions to close down in Dade are Republicans, actually. They're not, I mean, unlike Broward, yeah. which is completely Democratic, and, you know, obviously there's a big Republican Cuban population that votes in Dade. And so there, there have always been as Alfred, I mean, there have always been, uh, you know, Republicans in leadership in Dade County. Mm-hmm. And those are some of them like him and as like that are shutting down. Um, and yeah, so well, you have to understand this is a state full of full of elderly people. And yes. this is I mean, they're, they're the vulnerable crowd. And what you see, like what you consistently see across polling lines and um, demographics is that the older the older you are, the the higher the age group you you're in, the more willing you are to engage in more shutdowns. Um, if you uh, if you know if there's if there's a so-called second wave, which is ridiculous because we're already in the second wave slash first wave slash whatever wave. Um, you know, the the older you are, the more willing you are to to the point where I think it was uh, I, the last one I saw was something like um, a plus fifty seven differential with everybody older than fifty five. Right. Mm-hmm. Everybody older than 55 uh, favored shutdowns uh, over not shutdowns by like plus 57, which is just absolutely ludicrous. And, you know, that in this state, the the older crowd are largely Republican conservative. So right. what you have is a state that, you know, yes, you would think that because the state is so conservative, they'd be no, no, let's let's keep the economy open. We have to keep the economy open, but it's also really old, and so it's um and so it's 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 really going against that, and that's why you have this overwhelming. I mean, that's why the locations are going to do it for DeSantis, um, and and that's I think he's he's trying to keep his his rep with the the higher ups stainless, but he's also leaving it up to the to the locations, and they're going to do it for him. Well, he wants to run for president eventually. I think that's part of it. But, but yeah, and the way you do that is by not pissing anybody off and making like right. no decisions. <laughs> right. But, but I, I have a question for you guys because I want to bring this back to the NFL side because, you know, I come on, I don't want to hijack this as an NBA podcast. But uh, obviously, you know, I have a, I've covered both leagues. And so the mechanics of both leagues are very different. Like I said, the politics are different. The audiences are different. Um, you know, the black players in the NBA have much more power than they do in the NFL. You know, we've been having these debates on five on the floor. And I know my co-host Alphonse Sidney feels pretty strongly about this, you know, that, that maybe the NBA shouldn't even play under the circumstances, you know, and not just COVID, but also, uh, you know, everything that's going on with, you know, the push for equality in the country uh, and everything along those lines. I'm just curious for your thoughts on a, how should the NFL handle the other stuff, because we know that Roger Goodell has not typically handled that in a way that has really pleased anybody. Right? Yeah. It has, it, 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 he hasn't, he hasn't pleased really 
the conservatives who felt that he should have been stronger on the players uh, who were kneeling, et cetera. But, I mean, the NBA players are probably all going to kneel before the national anthem in game. I mean, th- there's going to be an example set for the NFL. I mean, you've got, mm-hmm. you know, NBA players living together for three months in, in you know, high-end dorms, okay, with, with really – without their families for the most part, with nothing to really do except basketball, you know, you know NBA 2K, and, you know, talk about – you know, what's going on in the country. I mean, there's going to be stuff. That well, they are building, they are building pubs at, on the floors that these teams are going to be on, by the way, just so you no, know. Of course, of course. But, but, but other than that, okay. Well, they're calling <laughs> it player lounges. So. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know, but it's not going to be like it is a normal circumstance where the guys are on no. the road. Okay. I mean, I, I did that with them for 20 years. So I know what that looks like, but I, I would, I would just say like, there's going to be stuff that comes out of here that I think is going to make the NFL uncomfortable because they're not going to want it they don't want Kaepernick too, right? How, mm. how, how do you think that they handle that? Hmm. Well, I think, okay. okay. So, so how does the NFL handle this? I, the big hurdle for me isn't, isn't really the, um, the anthem, uh, you know, or, uh, or the protests or, um, and I'm not calling it an anthem protest because I know it's not an anthem protest. Um, so it, I don't think that that's an issue. I think the NFL has has essentially rolled over a little bit on that one and and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna let the players speak and and let the players um have their voice and i don't i don't suspect that's going to be a problem the big problem is still covid to me um and that's that's you know we're gonna see with the nba and they're gonna be paying attention because it's not just the um the fans in the stand thing it Here's the test. Here's here's the test. You get a rash of infections in a locker room. What happens? You know, one of the teams in the NFL. You know, it's clear. And and the 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 experts have been clear on this. I've heard you know Dr. Fauci say this. You know, if it's one player that tests positive in the locker room, okay, you know that's one thing. If it's three players, then you have a lot more than three players. You have an entire infection in that locker room. Um, and, and, you know, you just haven't detected it all yet. So what happens when, I mean, this is, this is like back when the NBA actually shut down one player tested Rudy Gobert tested positive and it was like, Whoa, you know, pullback immediate. I mean, we still haven't seen a sports franchise get punched in the mouth by COVID and then keep going. So, so that's what, that's what I'm keying in on. That's what I'm looking for or looking at. And the NBA might set the precedent, might set the, um, the, the example of how that goes. But what happens with an NFL team when they get a locker room infection and it's like, you know, yeah, we got these three players testing positive. We're expecting probably five to 15 more or something like that to test positive. I mean, what do you do with not just that team, but the entire league? Because they're they're all playing each other. I mean, what happens? Like, I I'm looking for that. Like, that's you know, that's even more pressing than the fans and the stand things because that gets to the heart of can you even put a product on television for you to have these enormous ratings? And I do think there's going to be enormous ratings, um, you know, in the balance if they if they're able to to go. So. I mean that's the big that's the big question to me. That's the big um, the big thing that we're just going to have to wait and find out. 
Um, but I think that the NFL really thinks, and it goes back to the dynamic you're talking about. I believe in choice um, to some extent. I and mean, people think that I've gotten political on this, and I, I've not really gotten political on this. I, I believe in data. I believe in analysis. And I also do believe in choice. Um, so I think that these professionals that get paid have the right to make decisions for themselves. Um, I think that the league has a right to make some decisions for themselves. I don't believe they necessarily have the right to endanger others. So I am, I would be very protective about, you know, who, who attends these games and who precautions everybody is taking, but especially masks and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, I do to some extent believe in choice. It's just that I'm forecasting this. I'm, I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not prescribing i'm forecasting i'm I'm predicting and i'm saying they're they're gonna get punched in the mouth what's gonna happen next they're they're gonna shut down i kind of think that they're gonna fold i kind of think that they're gonna they're gonna say we can't do this anymore see i don't i don't i don't think so and i think the nba is already setting a precedent for that i mean on the conference call the other day with silver he and michelle roberts were basically celebrating that there were only 16 infections like you said like they shut down a whole league because of one guy in utah um Mm -hmm. You know, and now now there are 16, and they're like, we thought it was going to be a lot higher. I think. Yeah, but they're the issue, not in camp yet. No, I no, not I understand. In- I, I understand that, but they're going to be isolated. See, that's the thing. This is, I mean, the NFL can't put everybody in a bubble, right? It's it's much harder. I I think the challenges for the NFL are much greater than the NBA for some of the reasons you're mentioning. One, there's just more people. I mean, you know, Eric Spolster was talking today about how he's to decide which 35 people are going to be allowed to go to Orlando. He's leaving. They have to leave people at home. I mean, they've got 17 mm-hmm. players, uh, which is their whole roster, and they get to take the G League guys. And they've got 18 coaches or staffers, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Now, the NFL, I mean, 35 is two-thirds of the roster, not even. Um, yeah. And that doesn't include, you know, 16 coaches – or whatever, plus, you know, executives, scouts, trainers, massage therapists. I mean, you're talking 90, 100, 110? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's yeah. a totally different I, – I, it's a much greater challenge for, for the NFL, I think, and, and yet I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I haven't heard – But that's, that's all the more reason why I think it's going to fold. It's going it, to – they might give it the old college try, but there's going to be some – there's going to be some – punch in the face moment when they just they can't they can't go on with this that's what i that's what i think this is heading for you know i'm putting on my prognostication glasses and and trying to look down the road and that's kind of where i see what what i see happening because i haven't seen evidence yet of the iron will to to absorb the blows and continue on yes i know the nba has had 16 players test positive. They're not in camp yet. What happens when they have, when they're in camp with one another and three or four of their locker room test positive, which means that basically everybody that's in camp with them has it, you know, uh, or, or has been exposed to it. Not everybody has it, but everybody's been exposed to it. I mean, that's, that's the real test. And we haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen that from any sport yet. Mm-hmm. And so the N- NBA has a chance to try and be the first. But that doesn't mean it's going well, to go. Actually, actually, MLB is going to be the first, right? I mean, again, I tried at NHL. MLB is going to be the first, and you know they have their own set of challenges. But I pay but, even I, less attention to MLB than. Well, no, I, well, so does the country right now because they <laughs> they squandered they squandered their entire opportunity. But I, I do think with the NBA's plan, you know, you know their their plan is they're going to test and they're going to quarantine 
and they're not and, and they're not going to let anybody back in the bubble until they're clean and they're not going to let anybody out of the bubble and come back in the bubble so their feeling is that they can basically contain this and have this little world within a world where mm-hmm. nobody gets it even if some initially were going to report with it i don't know how the nfl provides similar containment I, I just I, I don't just based on the numbers, based on the nature of the game, based on the fact that you're playing in a bunch of different stadiums and traveling. I mean, I, this report that I, I was at pro football talks. I, one of the reports that had a, that some teams are considering flying day of game. I mean, OK. Wow. I, I mean, think, think about that. OK, you're talking about a sport that is basically three hours of car crashes and you're going to have them jet lagged players, players coming wow. off a plane. Wow going to a stadium. And so that's the thing that I don't think enough people have talked about the health risk. That is not COVID. Okay. The, the guys who are going to suffer career ending injuries because Mm -hmm. the circumstances have changed so much. Athletes are creatures of habit in terms of the way they prepare, the way they train. And now, you know, the NBA is doing things. The NBA's change is that it's a clock change, right? Three months off. Okay, now we got to get you back in shape. But if the NFL is going to do things like take guys and bring them off a plane, I mean, the NFL is already being inhumane to its players by having Thursday night games. Okay, like now you're going to bring players straight off a plane to a field? That's, I I mean, these are the kinds of things that that I think, you know, you have major players who end their careers that way. And the other thing I will say, Chris, that, that is concerning, you know, the NBA is trying to finish the season. They're trying to give their player, yeah. their fans some closure. The NFL is starting a season. If the mm-hmm. NFL starts and three or four weeks into it says we can't do it, there's going to be a lot of pissed off NFL fans who are like, why did I even start bothering with this? We'll never yeah. know what mm-hmm. happens. It's a, it's a different aim than just because of the calendar. It's not the NFL's fault, but it's a different aim than the NBA has, which is, okay, we want the money. That's first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. But also, we want to we want to give our fans some closure to this season. At, at, at least that's a noble effort. The NFL starting and three weeks later ending is not going to come off very well. It's 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 a tough challenge for it's a really tough challenge for the league. And it and it for lack you know forgive the pun it's going to be used as a political football too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to, and and that's the sad thing um, in in some ways, but you know, that's probably what you have to look forward to. And we already had yesterday, uh, ESPN had their, uh, had a boxing card in the middle of the week and there was a little known fighter. He's pretty good. Uh, he actually won his fight. He lost a tooth during the fight. Joshua Vargas. We had our first example of bubble enforcement. His father, who is, tr- who is his trainer stepped from the floor where all the fighters were quarantined down to the casino the night before the fight he was kicked out of the bubble and they forced they forced all the fighters and everybody that was in quarantine to test all over again so that begs the question the bubble enforcement for this NBA season and eventually for the NFL season how is that going to go because if one guy breaks it it's going to be hard actually destroy the entire process of having a bubble. Doesn't he basically end the bubble? Just an example of the logistical nightmare that stands in front of us. Um, Which brings us back to Ethan, your question. Should we bother even trying? Should we get everybody's hopes up? And, and, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that. I won't pretend to. 
But um, I will say this. I, I'm more agnostic about whether the NFL tries this and whether the NBA tries this than I am about whether college football tries this. Yes, because that's a different at, that's- at least the dynamic that you talked about where the NBA players are ha- – you know, they, they're entitled to half of the revenue – and and they got to worry about salary cap being reduced by 30% if they don't finish the season and stuff like that. None of that applies to the college football players. And and there is no bubble with respect to college football players. There can't be. You know, they're they're, they're not paid. They're um they're students. They have to they have to you know, if if the universities are open, if they're classes, then they're going to be part of it. And um and I just I don't see how I mean Christ, you see, you see the number of uh, of college football players that have already tested positive from you know from one team. Um, you know, no, there's no way. There just there just can't be any way. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm well, with you. when we come back, I promise we will talk football. First, a word from a sponsor. Let me introduce you to another sponsor to the podcast. You break wheel repair and remanufacturing company. Tired of your wheels? Give your car a new and refreshed look by powder coating them a new color. Even make it heat, hurricanes, or dolphins colors. Wheels faded and scratched, renew them with our in-house wheel refinishing. They'll also repair cracked and bent rims while also offering in-home service. They also offer powder coating and full metal finishing of many other metal items such as outdoor furniture. U-Brake Wheel Fix has 15 years experience based right here in North Miami. You can check out a gallery of their work on Instagram at U, that's the letter U, Break Wheel Fix. That is U, Break Wheel, W-H-E-E-L, Fix. For information, call 305-748-0112 or you can also visit them on the web at ubreakwheelfix.com. That number again is 305-748-0112. And we're back. And after thrilling you for 45 minutes on COVID talk and NBA talk, we're going to talk a little football finally. And we never, you know, we haven't gotten any news on the football front for weeks. But this week, everybody has a load in their pants because Cam Newton just signed with the New England Patriots. Ethan, does it matter at all? I mean, does it matter? Uh, I think it matters in the context of what the Patriots' objective is right now because it appeared during this offseason that they may have been comfortable kind of sinking towards the bottom a little bit, which I thought was going to be challenging with their culture. I mean, it's difficult for teams, organizations with great culture, whether they're, you know, we can talk about whether it's a cheating culture or not, which is probably something else we should discuss, but, but certainly they've had a winning culture, you know, well, they just can't find it, find a million. They just got it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. They dropped the Cam Newton news on the exact, and not just the same day, the same hour. Uh, that that happened. I'm not, I'm sure that was a coincidence, but I mean, organizations that have, you know, good cultures, whether it's the Patriots or, or the Steelers or the Spurs or the heat or any of those, you know, it's difficult to sink to the bottom because it's, you, you, you know, it's very easy when you're the Sacramento Kings or, or the Arizona Cardinals to do that, but it's a, it's a little bit harder when you're, you're an elite organization. And so I never really bought into the idea that the Patriots were going to go full tank this year. Um, I know that the reports are all that they really like Jared Stidham. I, I don't know what to make of that, but you know, it didn't look like they had the best quarterback situation in the division, uh, you know, at the very least. Now, 
you know, if you're bringing in Cam Newton, I mean, on a one-year deal, a one-year prove-it deal, you're basically giving him a chance to, to recover and lead you to some wins and earn another contract. And so if that's the case, it reframes the Patriots debate a little bit. Maybe Belichick likes his roster more than we thought, and maybe Belichick, you know, said something that I think, Alfredo, you've been saying for a while, which is that his quarterback wasn't that good last year. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if he gets, if he gets you know, pretty good quarterback play this year, even if it's a little different in terms of the style that it comes in, uh, that it may actually be better than it was last season. And, and so then you start to think, okay, are the Patriots really done? They still have a pretty elite coaching staff, even with everybody they lose. Um, you know, they still have, you know, what should be a pretty damn good defense, uh, even with some players that they've lost. And, you know, they don't seem to have a lot at, at the skill spots, particularly at receiver, but you've got Edelman. Um, you've got Sanu, who seemed to be pretty happy about this move. And, you know, he's made do with less sometimes in terms of, of Belichick. So I think it maybe does reframe the conversation a little bit, whereas a division that looked like it was trending all the way to the Bills with maybe the Dolphins another year away, you know, maybe looks like the Patriots can be competitive again if they can get good cam. You know, I think that um, this was good news for I, I I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be Pollyanna-ish here because um, obviously Cam is a competitor and and he's going to be hard to play against for the Miami Dolphins. Um, but I almost so I kind of I kind of think that the Dolphins are going to be in competition for this division crown with the Buffalo Bills and they're a good team. Um, and I think that the Patriots have maybe a little bit of a stronger record of, um, of beating the Buffalo Bills than they do the Dolphins. I mean, it just seems like, just seems like we get them or we, we end up, we end up nailing them, um, you know, every now or not every now and then, but like every year, one, one of the games. So, I'm I'm kind of trying to think of this like you know who gets hurt more does does Buffalo get hurt more by this or do the Dolphins get hurt more by this? I think it's Buffalo. I honestly, um, I I don't think it's uh, the Dolphins. So, um, yeah, I think that if this if this development means two losses for the Bills uh, from the New England Patriots this year, then that's going to help us. Um, more than it hurts us. Uh, and also, I, I'm I did buy that the Patriots might be might be in line to try after uh, Trevor Trevor Lawrence. And the reason lost, I buy they lost nine starters and decided to replace them with nobody. <laughs> yeah, and and they were going to go into the season with Jared Stidham at quarterback. Yes. Okay, I'm sorry that doesn't work. And they like, might as decided, well. And they decided that the worst receiver core in the NFL was just fine. Uh, like we'll just yeah. go with Julian Edelman and nobody else because that who, worked so well. Who's gonna Who's gonna play like four games? <laughs> Julian yes. Edelman will. And and then you know and now he'll play even less because of COVID. Um, you know, I, I think that I think that there was a chance. There was definitely a chance. I mean, think about. You know, they might have started out – Belichick and, the, and that staff are always so good at um, adjusting as the season goes on. They might have they gone into camp. They're going to be aware of what they're bringing to the table. They're going to teach and, and do all the things that they normally do. But when, when it gets to the game, you've got Bill Belichick, 
this is your this is your triumvirate. It's Bill Belichick at the very top, and underneath him are Josh McDaniels, who's shady as fuck, and and Bill Belichick's son as the defensive coordinator. You're gonna tell me that that trio would be beyond throwing games on purpose? Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I, I think I mean they, possible. talk about That's talk exactly about a tight talk about. about a tight knit trio that could totally conspiratorially throw games on purpose and not let anybody because you can't let that's the key about doing this throwing games things you can't let other people know about it right because then it'll get out Mm -hmm. but i mean if it's bill belichick and his son and josh mcdaniels josh shady as fuck mcdaniels um (laughs) then yeah i think that that could have actually happened but you know who's not going to be in on it cam newton (laughs) yeah he is not going to be in on it. And, and unless they just like go to Jared Stidham because they're pulling that Patriot way crap where it's like, Oh, he's just not getting the system, you know, Cam Newton and, and, uh, and everybody. And then, you know, the Patriots fans are like, I'd rather lose with Stidham than win with Newton, you know, like, uh, I mean, they, so, I mean, they, that could happen. And I guess you have to, you know, in that town, handicap that. Absolutely <laughs> but, but Chris, I'll ask you, I'll ask you this. Then, then I guess I keep, asking myself this question since the signing I mean I I thought he'd end up in New England simply because it was the last place left and and he was too good to be sitting out there I mean if he's healthy if he's even remotely healthy he should be somewhere but with that being said what what is the I guess what is the incentive for New England I mean is part see I think part of this is as much as I I understand what you're saying Alfredo he let nine starters walk he didn't replace any of them I think part of this, this is just a big prove-it show for – Bill Belichick likes this kind of challenge. The year that he didn't have Brady and, Cassell, and Matt Castle won 11 games and, and, you know, the Dolphins won the division, but it had to do it in the last day of the season, happened to be in that locker room in the Meadowlands when they beat the Jets and Favre. But, you know, they won 11 games with Matt Castle, and, and I kind of feel like sometimes – you know, Bill Belichick is the guy who on Madden football puts it on, you know, the hardest level possible just to prove that he can do it. Um, and, and I almost feel like he's challenged himself. And, and now, now he's got a quarterback that he can actually work with. And the idea of, you know, winning without Tom while gutting your roster, I, I, I think in a perverse way, kind of appeals to him and he also knows that let's be honest the division is still a little bit of a shit show i mean the jets are very very barren of talent don't have the best coach and and they're like they're like down and going further down further down okay and sam darnold for whatever reason uh picks the dolphins to throw all his interceptions against (laughs) yeah but but there's no talent on that roster and and the one guy that there is talent you know the, the safety jamal adams wants to leave um, the Bills, I, I think, have a lot of talent, but nobody trusts the Bills ever. And you, I don't know if you can trust the quarterback. And yet. they're very, yeah, and they're very Josh Allen centric. And I don't know if that's a good thing. And, and the Dolphins are Allen's ascendant, but they're, the, but but they're they're you don't they're think clearly Josh Allen centric, Chris. No, no, I think that they're defense centric, and I think they're running game centric. I mean, I don't think they're they're you know all all Josh Allen. They, and how many rushing yards did their quarterback have last year? Well, that that's you know he's part of the running game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well there you go. Anyway, go on, Nathan. Yeah, but I, no, I, I guess the overall point is, I mean, if if you're Belichick and you're assessing the division, and you look at the Dolphins and and you know you know you have a history with Brian Flores, you can see what the Dolphins are building. Um, but your your assumption is they're a year away. You look at the Bills and you don't really tr- you know trust the Bills. 
and you know you, you've beaten up on the Bills historically, uh, mm. and you know you know the Jets are shit and they're coached by gays. Okay, you look at that and you say, okay, if I can get a quarterback, I can restore him. I don't know that he'd be the long-term answer there anyway, but he's going to be motivated. I've gutted the rest of my roster, but I'm going to let some young guys play, and I'm going to prove I don't need Tom, and I don't even need some of the guys that were here. I, to me, that's the only reason to do this um, because yeah. I, I, I thought, like you did, that they were going to go for Trevor Lawrence, but, but you're not doing that with Cam Newton. I, he's not bad enough even at his worst, to do that. Uh, so I, I just don't think that's – it's like Ryan Fitzpatrick, except Newton has a higher upside. So I, I just don't think that's happening. But what if yeah. they change gears? Like, what if, so, so what if they – you know, everything that you said, you know, we don't have Brady anymore. He was holding us back. He wasn't having a good year and stuff like that. Now they're going to try this with Cam Newton. What if they get in there, they get through camp a little bit, they, you know – got their two little preseason games they, they start playing some regular season games say the season isn't canceled by covid um and, and they just discover well you know we're just not a very good football team uh what do they do then do they just they just go ahead and go with stidham and and tank the rest of the season i, I think there's a fair chance that they would that they they go ahead and do that um yeah, I, I, I think could, i could see that i know i could see them doing that i i just think you know then the question becomes how does cam handle that Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, that's exactly, but, but, but then, but then your, your point, you know, but then it's like, okay, he's on a one year. I mean, uh, you know, he'll be out of here in, in, in eight weeks mm-hmm. anyway. I mean, if, if you no start, right. Uh, if you start and, and the other thing is that Patriots teams typically start a little slower. Um, yeah. as, you, as you know, he, he doesn't put everything in right away in training camp until, and doesn't sort of put other things in until the first thing's perfected. And, and typically, you know, they've, performed better in, in November, December than they have in, in September. I mean, you could start, I don't know, say you start you know, two and four, you know, one and four, something like that. Then, then yeah, I mean, then you say, okay, we're going to go to Stidham and let him ride out the last 10 games. And if Cam's not happy being a backup, okay, he's gone after that. But, but I, I don't think they're doing it for that reason. I think they're doing it because he thinks he can steal this division without Brady. And, who he didn't want two years ago when he wanted Garoppolo to ascend. And, you know, now he's going to do it with this other guy. And so I, I do think he'll stick with Cam for a certain degree. And also I, I think, you know, to pick a quarterback that is stylistically completely 180 from Brady and to try to make it work with him, it does add another notch in Belichick's cap if he can, if he can get, you know, Cam back to somewhere, not MVP form, but, you know, at least halfway back to where he was before. All right. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I, I agree with everything you guys have said. Uh, as far as Cam, the player, if he's healthy, and everybody keeps repeating the same thing, he's a top 15 quarterback. And in my opinion, he would be better than what Tom Brady was last year in New England. The thing is that if he doesn't have that running component, he's essentially Ryan Tannehill in Miami. That's, his, that's what his ceiling is as a passer. So, but the running side of it, makes him, I think, a top 15 quarterback and makes New England right back where they've always been, 11, 12 wins, 10 wins. But that's if you get 2018 Cam mm-hmm. or MVP Cam, 2015 Cam, that type of Cam. But you get 2016 or 2019 or 2017 Cam, those, those guys just weren't very good players. But, Alfredo, can you make the case that, that, I mean, the Dolphins have the best quarterback situation in the division right now, right? I agree, yeah. I think so. All right. 
yeah i mean i think that i think that that foots um i think so i think there is an underestimation of josh allen out there if you're a buffalo bills fan you have you have reason to think that that josh allen um is a good quarterback and probably well you know it depends on cam newton's health right um if cam newton his arm was falling off last year and it was it was painfully obvious um if he's if he's at full health, it's one thing. But if if his arm he signed for seven and a half million dollars. If he's a seven and a half million dollar player, then the the Buffalo Bills fans are saying, well, we have the best quarterback in the division right now. I think that's fair. You get you give that to them. You say, all right, Tua hasn't thrown a single pass yet. Um, I'll give that to you. But going forward in the future, clearly the Miami Dolphins uh, have the reason to believe that they've got the highest ceiling there at that quarterback position. One thing I will say about the Cam Newton, New England offense, Josh McDaniels thing is, is to watch out for is, you know, Josh McDaniels without Tom Brady, spotty. Okay, let's let's just let's just say that that's a little spotty because you know I happen to remember the year when Josh McDaniels was offensive coordinator with the Rams with Sam Bradford at quarterback and they had the 32nd ranked offense in the league and Sam Bradford isn't a great quarterback, but he's not, um, Tim Tebow either. So I, you know, I, I think that, uh, I think that you go from, there's a risk there. There's a risk there that, and, and Josh McDaniels thinking that Cam Newton can, or Jared Stidham for that matter, can run his offense and, you know, I'm just not sure. I mean, this isn't like with Matt Castle because, you know, back when Matt, Ca- Matt Castle took over, I mean, he, he took the keys to a Corvette uh, from Tom Brady. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that, it was a record-breaking offense with, you know, Randy Moss and Wes Welker and the Primes and, you know, everything, everything going perfect and right. And, you know, he took the keys of a Corvette and he, he drove it and he drove it like a, uh, like a BMW. Like, yeah, and remember what a, happened to not even Dolphins. a high end BMW. Remember but, what uh, happened to the Dolphins that year when they played the, the Patriots with Matt Castle here in Miami. Mm-hmm. And Matt Castle brought that offense over here and we had a top five defense and a great running game. And they hung like, what, 46 points? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So, so it's not the same thing. Josh McDaniels has got, has got less offensive weaponry and a less, and a less uh, polished offense that he's handing over to a new quarterback, and I think he's a little bit spotty, and you might find out some things about about. So, so the, the key is what I'm saying is Cam Newton. I hope wins them some games, particularly against the Buffalo Bills, gets them out of the running that Trevor Lawrence thing, which you know, God, I hope so, but I still don't think that they're going to do well. Yeah. You know, that's I'm not forecasting that. All right, we got some Twitter questions here. And the first one is Miguel Perez at Miguel Bahamas. And he writes, excluding Tua, which player? And I got to say, I read this, this question and I was a bit stumped. So maybe I'm forgetting somebody. He writes, excluding Tua, which players drafted in the last two years by the fans have the best chance of becoming a consistent Pro Bowl performer over the next five years? Ethan. In the last two years. Um, yes. Wait, so last year's draft, this year's pull- draft. Let's pull this up just so that, you know, let's. I'm, I'm going to try to do this top ahead because I, I, I. Okay. You know, I'm going to pull this, it up. <laughs> try to improve my Dolphins bona fides here. All right. uh, I, I, I guess you have to start in, in debate whether Christian Wilkins is going to be uh, a pro bowler or not. And, you know, I, I, that, at that position, it's, it's difficult to stand out. Um, you know, I'm going to say 
probably no on that one, uh, you know, although I, there were certainly promising signs. I think in this particular draft, I don't know that anybody else would project that high. I mean, the safety out of Texas, uh, the offensive lineman. I mean, it's for, I mean, I, you know, again, the, the Dolphins drafted practically this year, I, you know, and I like their draft, but I don't know if there's pro bowlers in there necessarily i'm going back to last year too that's a tough one man um i mean i think the guy who's got the pro bowl potential of the players that have been added the past two years the first year players i would go off the board and say preston williams yeah he he wasn't drafted but (laughs) i know i know that but i'm just saying I, i i mean i know on draft night you had him as the second best player they picked last year or in 2019 not whole offseason right the whole offseason I would go off the board and say him. I, I don't, I, again, I think it depends what you think of Wilkins as a potential pro bowler. Um, I think he's going to be a really solid player for them for a long time and, and a team leader, but I don't know that I would put him there. Well, I'm looking at it. Okay. I'm looking at the two, the last two drafts from 2019 Christian Wilkins, I guess is the best candidate for this. Mm-hmm. rest are just either role players or guys that are out of the league or going to be out of the league in a year from this past draft. I think Robert hunt, Robert hunt has mm-hmm. that Jawan James vibe where everybody in the league likes him and w- are, is willing to pay him 10, 12, $14 million a year, but we particularly don't want to keep him. So that's a good player. That's a Pro Bowl performer. I think Jawan James made one Pro Bowl. Out of the rest of the guys, man, uh, man, I guess if Austin Jackson pans out, of course. But Raekwon Davis, even if he's a really, really good player, he's going to be a Randy Starks type, which Mm. is not the type that makes a bunch of Pro Bowls and is a signature type, signature player. So, you know, they they drafted a lot of guys that can be solid performers, but as far as star potential, I guess Robert Hunt is the only one i don't know well, there's no there's nobody else in 19 i mean I, beyond mm. beyond wilkins i mean it's not going to be michael dieter it's not going to be van ginkle no van I mean, oh, you I guys you guys you guys are missing you guys are missing the whale you guys you, you chandler, guys missed chandler you guys cox. missed the boat you know chandler cox the, the <laughs> <laughs> uh he's he's the next uh well i'll give he's you the next uh, you what's one. his I'll name uh, the, reagan Mo- he's the next reagan maria you know um, i'll give you one under the radar or not no, uh, no, Malcolm, don't give me one. Malcolm, no, don't, 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 no, 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 no. What you if Malcolm Perry becomes Denny Woodhead? I'll say that. Okay, okay, but that's not perennial. That's not no, annual Pro Bowler. Well, that's let, not let, annual let, Pro Bowler. Let's take it. Let's no, take it no. back a little bit while we're doing. No, this, it's I, the, the easy one. You guys are still missing the easy one. It's Noah Igbenogene, the corner, the corner from uh, from Auburn. He's the guy with the Pro Bowl potential. He's not going to be a starter here, though. Oh, he's not going to be a starter like Patrick Patrick Sertan. Like Patrick Sertan wasn't going to be a starter when he was drafted. Well, but Terrell Buckley was ahead of him. I and and look what look look what he did. I mean, this is this is a this is a player with tremendous potential. Let's not forget about this. He was a late starter, or he was a late convert onto the defensive side of the ball. And you watch him play. You watch him move. I mean, he's the son of like world class sprinters. Okay, so he's got he's got all the speed on him. He can play in the slot. He can cover over the middle really well. And yet he's got the size and ability to play on the outside. And he's got the speed. He's got the the aggressiveness on this kid is incredible. 
considering he's only he'd only been playing on that side of the ball for like two years uh, with that kind of aggressiveness and that kind of just the feel that he had was amazing. I mean, he went up, he went toe to toe with what was vaunted as the most challenging receiving units maybe ever seen in college football with uh, Alabama and LSU. And my God, that guy was confident as shit. And he, he didn't, he wasn't intimidated by a single soul that he went across. I mean, this is an exciting pick. This is going to be, I, I said it on draft, like, you know, boom, boom, boom. The Dolphins, grabbed guys that were at the top of the board for me at each of their positions. And that includes Robert Hunt. And I, I do believe that Robert Hunt is going to be good. Um, but he might have a hard time being that annual pro bowler. If he's the right tackle, um, you know, maybe, maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But I think Noah Igbenogane is the, is the easy one that, that is being looked over right here at corner because, you know, he has that type of skill set. And he's so new to the position that it's only going to get a lot better for him. And so, you know, I don't buy this crap like, oh, he's going to only be the third corner. And so, like, you know, how, how good can he be and stuff like that? Yeah, so was Sertan back in the day. I mean, but I think that this guy has that sort of potential, and you're really going to have to watch out for him. I'm looking at the 2018 draft just for the hell of it. Um, it, it ain't going to be Kalen Balaj. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> will you guys uh, stop uh, it with that shit already? I, 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 I got to hear from Simon and now I got to hear from you, Ethan. Yeah, you do. Oh, uh, uh, unfortunately, yeah. it's Minka, but not just here. pile it down, pile it on, pile it on. It's okay. Uh, unfortunately, it's Minka, but not here. But I'll throw this question at you since we're taking questions and, and we're still going here. Uh, who has a better chance to be a pro bowler, Gesicki or Jerome Baker? Well, I'm a big Ooh. fan of Jerome Baker, and, but. Chris is not. I've seen the no, no, no. I, I love Jerome Baker. I don't like. I you don't, don't like him in this fit. system. You don't like. Him I don't like his fit for this system. I think that he might be such a good player that he could sort of make it work anywhere, anyway. But he he wouldn't flower and become the player he could become. And I do believe he could be a really tremendous player in the NFL if he went to a different system. But um, in the in in this one, I mean. There's a possibility he turns into a Gerard Mayo, and I've always said that. But you know, what about mm, Roosevelt Colvin? Would that would that suit you? Would that be? No, nah, he's not that kind of player. I, I don't think he's that kind of player. No, not physical enough. Yeah, I, I don't think. I just don't think he can play those sorts of roles. I mean, well, he's a I like he's, he's noticeable, yeah. but he's great. He's a great player. Mike Gusecki, uh Let's you know, let's, let's roll the clock back. His last six games last year. That's mm-hmm. a, there's some star potential there. If he's that, and he can be that going forward, and Tua somehow, you know, makes him the BFF, like, we could have something here. And yeah. he's, essentially, he's essentially just a wide receiver. He's not a tight end. Anymore. Right. That's what I'm saying. Right. I mean, he could be a 65 catch guy and make the Pro Bowl. You don't get yeah. in the Pro Bowl as a, tight, as a tight end for blocking. No. No. You get in you there don't. by getting a bunch of touchdowns, and that's something you, you can you do. Highlight reels. That's how you get it. Yeah. And I and for all the people that think Chan Gailey doesn't ever use a tight end, I mean, you have to watch and look at the fact that Chan Gailey has coached Tony Gonzalez. You know, he's he's coached. Um, you know, Quincy Anunwa was actually a t- and when Chan Gailey was there, Quincy Anunwa was a tight end hybrid uh, for for him, and and he also had um, who was a Scott Chandler up in up in Buffalo. Now Scott Chandler was a real tight end, but he also had receiving talent, and Chan Gailey figured out how to get him the ball and he got him the ball plenty so Chan Gailey can use Mike Gesicki as a wide receiver 
or pseudo wide receiver or hybrid or whatever. Um, and he can get him the ball if he's, if he's showing himself reliable enough, but, and that's, that's all that Gasicki has to do. I mean, you can't compare Gasicki to the, to the previous failure with Michael Agnew because what Michael Agnew, he was supposed to be a receiving tight end because he knew it was sure as fuck wasn't a blocker. Um, and he just never showed himself to be very compelling as a receiver. But that hasn't been an issue for Mike Gusecki. He's he's put on the highlight reels really since his first days in camp as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's shown those sorts of highlights to the fans. And then it wasn't a, it wasn't happening in games at first. And um, well, and then Adam it was happening. Him. And then Adam it was happening. Featured him in in uh, in not only in training camp but in. Mm-hmm. In uh, the first couple of preseason games, and then yeah. the season kicked off, and he was like, "All right, you know, we're just not going to use this guy." <laughs> well, and you know, Adam Gase had some structural issues with how he liked to coach offense, and it, it really put it put Gusicki in some of the roles that you you just don't want him, and um, and so I think that that you know, it's it there was a clash there. There was a clash between how Adam Gase what kind of personnel groupings and formations he likes to call and you know, what Gesicki could do. And it just, um, it didn't, didn't work out, but, um, but I think it worked better last year. You've seen, you've seen it in games with him. Uh, I think absolutely. I'd go with him getting to be a pro bowler, you know, even next year before Jerome Baker, even though I, I do love Baker. I'm, you know, this isn't the best system for him. Um, but I think that Gesicki could make those highlights and, you know, get the right person throwing the ball. It's like he might have 65 catches. And if he's got nine touchdowns in there or something like that, then, hey, pro ball, here it comes. Yeah. And a couple of these Twitter questions basically answer themselves. Like Carlos Ortega at Cortega24, he writes, player most likely to pull Devontae Parker this season, meaning a guy that's, you know, just a guy and then all of a sudden just blows up. I think we just answered it. It's Mike Kaseki, isn't it? Yeah, kind of. Um, yeah, I, I could see that. And and I, I've I've talked about a lot of things could happen. This is going to be such – we don't know what's going to happen. Let's pretend the season happens. But um, this is all so much up in the air that you can imagine, you know, players in and out, like injuries, uh, COVID, whatever. Um, you know, it, I, I've said it many times. It wouldn't surprise me – if this is the year that it's like you're watching Jakeem Grant play football and you're like, Oh, Oh, oh I get it. Yeah. You know? And, and that's, mm-hmm. and that's because that's, that's because of who I think is going to be throwing the ball. And I think um, the chances of Tua being a, a week one starter just went down by the fact that there's only two preseason games now instead of four, that's a key thing. Um, but we are going to see Tua, I think, before long and so I think that Tua is going to be at training camp they're going to be on the same teams right they're going to be on the the second team together and so Tua is already going to, he's already I think he's already been throwing passes to him but Tua is going to be throwing passes to him uh, in training camp because they're going to be on the same squad a lot and this is the guy that's going to remind him the most of Jerry Judy as far as the footwork and how quickly he can get open how, bad, and how, how well he can get off the line and how quickly he can get out of his breaks. And Tua is not going to be scared about the fact that he's only 5'7 or whatever. Um, 
because you know the strike zone being smaller isn't isn't an intimidating thing for a Tua Tonga Vailoa. Um, so I think that the timing trumps the um, the the smaller strike zone, and so I th- you know watch out because those two could really hit it in stride if Tua overtakes Ryan Fitzpatrick at some point this season, and that could be the guy we come from. All right, we gave you guys a really meaty episode, okay? You really can't complain. This is an hour and 25 minutes you're going to get from us. Ethan, on the way out, tell our listeners what they can expect from five on the floor. We're going to five days a week, five days a week. Uh, that, that probably will include our streaming show, which is every Thursday night on our YouTube channel. Uh, we've got over 3,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel. We do post three yards per carry there now also. So check that out. It's free. It's just type in five reasons sports on YouTube and you'll find it, but we're going five days a week. We're going to be on dash radio also. So uh, these are our two biggest properties in the network, three yards per carry and five on the floor. And, and we're going to be going at the same time this year. So it should be a lot of fun. All right. We will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to three yards per caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes on Podbean or your usual podcast provider. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.